Hey there, party people. It's Office Hours podcast time. My name is Ashton. I'm David. And welcome to Office Hours, the flagship podcast of Your Art Doesn't Suck, You've Just Looked at It Too Long podcast network. That happens. Welcome, welcome, folks. Uh, This is going to be episode 18 and uh, Office Hours. Yeah, it's the podcast where we talk about what goes bump in the creative night, what keeps us up and what keeps us up late, and then occasionally what camera not to buy. So uh, welcome. David, how's it been, man? It's good. Summertime. It's hot. Summertime is yeah. You guys have had a kind of a, a weird summer there. Crazy heat wave, and uh, although it's kind of broke now, it's nice and cool. But uh, yeah, I was actually out in um, Illinois last week for like thirty hours, and it was so hot, it was unbelievable. And of course, two hours in the middle of the day had to be shot outside, and so. There was a, a sweaty mess of a photographer at the end of that. But the only thing that saved me is that every, everybody else had to wear uh, long sleeve cardigans to be photographed in. So I felt worse for them than I did for myself. <laughs> the talent had it. The, the talent had it the worst. No, I mean, like I, yes. I um, I try not to complain about the weather, um, like when it's hot outside, because there was one one time in my past life where I did a project out in the middle of Arizona in the summer. It was like august Mm -hmm. august in arizona and it was the record high for that year lovely that week (laughs) um and so we were shooting this outdoor activation like for this brand and the the wardrobe for the team like for the crew like the people helping customers Mm -hmm. that we were like also going to be wearing while we were slugging cameras around was black on black so we had black shorts with black t-shirts and i remember like it was 117 degrees outside and they say like it's a dry heat but like i'm not gonna lie to you guys like it's hot like you could feel it through the pavement like through your shoes through the soles of your feet like yeah so if you live in arizona um man um, shout out to dan ryan yeah right (laughs) good luck with that shit dan (laughs) yeah scottsdale man i don't know how you guys do it out there but uh, that's 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 nuts um yeah and i i I remember from being in that i was like i'll never complain about being hot on a shoot ever again because it's like at this point everything is just a beautiful spring day now yeah so i'll never complain again about being hot after doing a shoot like that i mean like i think now i was in i was doing a i was actually helping out a photographer um from south carolina with an auto shoot a couple weeks ago and you know we were out in the middle of the heat and so i got like a really good tan from it but like (laughs) i remember thinking it was like it was hot i was like you know what it's in the day i'm not dying i'm still alive yeah so that was that's fine yeah you just kind of got um you got to get into that mindset of like I'll be cool in a minute or two hours or yeah. whatever. And just focus on that. <laughs> you can play that little trick that like your parents used to do when you're like, they'd be like, just imagine you're, you're really hot that you're cold. Yeah. Like, okay. That's a, or like, like in school when they used to, they used to turn the lights off. <laughs> it's probably not healthy for you. It's probably really bad for you. Um, oh man. Well, okay. So but yeah, I, I think, I think that this was, this would be a really good opportunity. Cause you know, a couple weeks ago, um, we we started asking the audience for some questions and we got some really great ones so if you sent one in thank you very much for taking the time to a listen and b send us your questions because that's what we want to do we want to be able to you know help where we can and answer what we can um and one of the questions was actually pertaining to a project that i had done for myself like a little bit of spec work um around Lacroix, our one of our favorite yes sponsor sponsors um and so it got me thinking we should probably because kind of, you know between you and me we, we've done a handful of spec projects like just things for you you know yep. uh, to kind of keep the artist in you alive and 
Um, there were some really interesting questions that we we had come out of that, and I think that those are kind of worth talking into. So, I mean, um, I guess the first I'll, I'll start it, I guess, and then Do we'll kind of we'll jump around here. So, the the first question I had was so the project was for Lacroix water. Um, I did this like little. I was I was having a day where I needed to make something. Felt like I needed some kind of creative exercise, and I had just gotten off of shooting some uh, some still work for uh, with Lacroix. And I was thinking, all right, well, I want to try something different, uh, something to get me out of my creative funk. And I decided to do a little bit of video, like a little Instagrammy, you know, DIY 101 type of situation. Um, and for me, like the part that I really wanted to try to emulate was not necessarily the DIY drink thing or like the the video recipe kind of idea, but mm-hmm. it was uh, motion tracking. So um, a couple months ago, like currently now there's a campaign for um, that Apple is running for those Beats Pro wireless yeah. headphones. And it has like this really incredible like motion track um, situation where they have like the athletes wearing the headphones and they're like, it's it, the camera is locked to the headphone mm-hmm. and like stuff is happening around it, right? Like yeah. it's being flipped in the air with Simone Biles and like shout out to Simone, what's up girl? Um, and <laughs> you know, like LeBron's playing basketball and he's like sinking threes and you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I thought, wow, that's a really cool effect. I, I really love that. I'd love to try that with with on a much smaller scale right. um, with this. So that's kind of what the goal was. The goal was to try to find a way to implement um, motion tracking video into a widget. And so that's kind of what we did. I, I, I basically worked out the idea of, okay, I'm just going to make this like the, what I would call the drink of the summer, which is the cold brew LaCroix, uh, coconut mm-hmm. LaCroix. It's essentially cold brew coffee with seltzer water and it. it's, it's pretty good um and with that there's a shot where you know i lift the lift the the i lift the can and the camera literally follows as if it's on the same access point right right um and that's all done after the fact like so you know we shot i shot it still where it's just you know camera on sticks i'm you know at the table doing the pour and then I went back in post and tried to work through that. And so I think for me, the, that was like the the point of the project was to try to work something in that was a little bit different. Right. As far as like the question that kind of came from from our, our listener was how much time I invested and how I, and did I feel free to make what I wanted in the creative process? And the answer is absolutely yes. Um, I've definitely felt free to do as I want because the whole project was for me, you know, like I saw sure. something cool that I really liked and I wanted to try to do that myself because I think you know, as real artists steal. So that's kind of what we do. Always. Um, and you put your own little spin on it. And then as far as the time I invested in it, um, I don't know. This one wasn't a terrible amount invested. I think it was probably like from the day that like the the, the day that I decided I wanted to do this to getting it done. It was maybe two days, like a day and a half reasonably. Sure. Like I saw it like, oh, that's, I want to do this. I'm going to plan for this. Let me go buy some, you know, buy some extra LaCroix. Let me go set up the table and how I'm going to do it. Let me think through the shot and how it needs to be logistically to like motion track and frame track the can. And so I think there was maybe half a day in pre-planning, like thinking like, okay, well, logistically what needs to happen to make this feasible on the edit? And then I spent maybe a couple hours um, shooting different different varieties, different takes that I could kind of play with. I think the magic of projects like this are um, it's it's in the failure more than the success right it's like in sure. trying things and seeing how they'll work logistically so that you can execute them if you ever was were to use that that tactic or that that learned ability for a client you know what works and what doesn't work totally. um not to mention that you can now sell that to a client too i mean now that you know yeah. what you're doing yeah. the next time you go into a meeting and they 
they're they're open to suggestions you can now recommend something because you're keen on it exactly and i i mean it's it's funny because i think back to most projects that were like that you know personal projects self-projects self-directed projects um it's like a self-directed study right like you want like the end result is something that you you want to learn how to do but you'll work through all the ways to not get there um to get to the final part product so like it's funny because the first shoot that um i ever met you at like when we rented your studio mm-hmm. um was on a concept that i had tried during my make something uh, a couple years like i had that whole make something project right. a couple years ago and i was playing with um i'd seen an idea with split colors and so like i had started doing things with split color seamless and stuff like that and that eventually like those little practice sessions in the pro like my make something project ended up turning into a sales pitch um for that client and i said here's something i've been working with with people i'd love to do it with you know these 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 pe- they were for bed bug dogs these bed bug dogs right and um that's and how it ended up like they're like this is incredible we love this we just love to use our color palette for the brand and that's what we ended up doing like we, yeah. we did the entire shot like the entire shoot just like that based on a personal project so i don't know i think personal projects are super important i i, I don't do enough of them um and i i think every photographer worth his or her salt famously will say to other photographers you know going through it like you need to make time to shoot for yourself because that's right. how you'll you'll continue to love what you do. And it's right, it's true. Um, so, I mean, doing those types of things are, are really important. And I think for me, like that last, you know, for pertaining, ringing it back around, um, you know, for that particular project for the LaCroix can thing, um, I was invested in it because I wanted to learn how to do something and I felt pretty free with the creative process because it was my idea. And right. then I think the last part that, the, that they asked was, you know, whether, was I trying to make something that fit with the current work? And I, I don't know. I think it depends on how... I think there are two ways to go about it. Um, there are times where I try to fully emulate a brand's imagery because I like it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, oh, I really love how... I don't know. I really love how Target does their their stuff. They right. do some incredible flat lays. Um, and so, yeah, I've, like, I've tried to completely emulate that kind of stuff in some of my own work. Uh, but then I think there are other chances where it's like you have... You might like a brand, have an affinity towards something, and you want to put your own spin on it. And I think that you know it's i think the 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 approach would be like you want something to create something high end or high value but you want to do it in your way and right. i think that that's kind of a that's the other side of the approach which there's no right or wrong way to do it so long as you do right. it i think getting out there and doing the doing the work and making the widget is the important part in that process so you had also done a bunch of still work though right you did some like really cool splash photography and just a couple of like uh, uh, on white shots, I think, of of just um, you know the product and some some extras. But like same thing, like what? How'd you get there? <laughs> no, I mean, well, that great question. I mean, um, so with that, like that was a couple weeks prior to the video portion where I wanted to try to do some more um, some more food and product photography. Mm-hmm. You know, just trying to round out my book, wanted to, you know, play with it more. I've done a lot of that work for other like large uh, quick service restaurant companies, um, some large beverage companies. And so I've had experience doing that type of work, um, you know, editorial and both like super clean and then, you know, almost like in restaurant in situation. Right. But for some reason, I wanted to try something a little bit more different. There's a photographer I found around town that's been doing incredible work. Um, and they did a lot of like product and flat lays 
with like really harsh, like hard light and flat colors, right? Yeah. So like bright, bright backdrops, bright colors, uh, schemes or palettes, and then like really hard light. And I was like, wow, that looks incredible. I absolutely love that. And so, you know, more, more or less just poking around in the studio, I wanted to try to do that for the LaCroix stuff. And so I started putting together these like really loud colors um, with really hard light, like using like, you know, magnum reflectors to just give me like the most harsh yeah super directional light and i started shooting stuff and it was okay i like i think it was one of those situations where i i, I steered into this like i felt like i was starting to skid and i started to turn into it thinking like all right let me just kind of finish the drill and see what comes of it and the final product was okay i wasn't in love with it i mean i think that like if i was to keep doing it i could refine it and find a way to make it my own and and figure it out um but through that process, I don't know. I learned that like, okay, this is really cool. I like, I like the idea. I like the concept. I like it when it's like when it's done. Um, but I'm not in love with it. Right. And then I was like, okay, well, what can I do that's more me? And I think that was the part of the process where I was like, okay, well, I I've spent a lot of my career shooting a lot of things on white, and that almost felt like a cop out when I first started. I was like, well. I, I could shoot a product shot on white. I've done a million of those and that would just be the lamest way to like, that's an exercise you know how to do already. Right. So why try it again? And so that's why I ended up trying this, this whole color hard light thing. And as I started doing it, I was like, okay, I can see this. I can see where there's virtue in this and this is cool, but I'm not in love with it. And it was me basically trying to be somebody else yeah. and try to do someone else's art. And I mean, like, it's great for learning abilities, learning skills and kind of trying something new. But then I was like, okay, well, let me reset. Let me know what, let me try to take what I do and amplify it in a way that I haven't done before. And that's kind of where the whole splash stuff with the, you know, the falling fruit and can and all that kind of came together. It was like, okay, well, I've shot on white a million times over my career, but it's always stationary. It's always, right. you know, sitting on a table. It's always, you know, perfect more or less. Yeah. And so let me try something where I've seen, you know, I've seen the work in motion and I feel like that kind of helps. It makes it more fun. And so that was kind of the adaptation that I started going with. It was like, okay, I don't want to do what I always do. Let me do something completely different. Did something completely different. I was like, okay, that's not really me. I like it, but I don't love it. Let me try to be me with a little bit of spin. Oh, this is where I wanted to land right. all along. And that's kind of the whole point of doing a personal project though, is that you you can take the time to wa walk through it all. And if it takes you a couple hours or a couple days or whatever, there's, there's nobody there to look over your shoulder and tell you that you're wasting time or that you're fucking it up or that, you know I mean? You, you can take that time to just kind of grow through it and, you know, figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think for me, like what ended up coming up, like the images that came from it, I'm, I like them. I'm, I'm proud of them. I think they look great. Um, and I think they're a better representation of what I like to do and what I'm good at. Um, and at the same time, you kind of bring it right back, right around to the, does this fit within brand? Um, it, it's different. It's different for their brand. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you look at like what they post and what they use in their brand style guide, like they like to have lots of color and they like to have, you know, very vibrant things. And I think that looks incredible and that works. Um, but this was my take on that brand, right? Like it's, it's still vibrant. It's still bright, but it's clean. Right. And it uses a little bit more of my, like what my personal aesthetic I think is. And I think whenever you're doing a personal project or, or self-directed study, like, you know, you can borrow, like you can steal elements of other things that you like and that you've seen out there and they kind of mm -hmm. work their way into your, your mindset and into your, into your collective creative process. 
but then at the end of the day, it's got to be yours, you know, right. and it's got to have your spin on it. Totally. And I think that's kind of where the magic happens, right? So it's, it's, you know, see what you like, try to make it, try to emulate it, copy it, and then adapt it to what you know and what you want to do and what makes you yeah. most fulfilled and happiest. That's the most important thing is that, you know, like there is a time and a place to go out and straight up copy someone. Like if you see a technique and you want to learn it, like, yes, go and copy it and figure it out because you never know when you might get called, you know, called upon to do that. Um, but more importantly is to, you know, try to make it your own. I know a lot of guys and girls who, who make pictures and they post them online and they're like, look what I did. And then you're like, man, that looks an awful lot like so-and-so's work and sure shit. It's just a, you know, a blatant ripoff. And like, that's, that's cool that, you know, cause that takes talent. It really takes talent to go and reverse engineer something and figure out how it was lit and, you know, all the settings and that kind of dumb stuff. But like, honestly, if you're not going to make it your own, it's, it's not really worth it as far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, you know, the, what you did is, you know, you took your time, you played around with it. You, you ended up making a couple of really cool pieces um, that, you know, are probably portfolio worthy or that you can take and sell and, you know, show to someone and, and impress them. Um, and that's kind of the whole idea of like doing that kind of, you know, personal project now. So here's the big question though. Was this a personal project that you went into your studio and just started doing, or was this spec work where you actually had an end goal of trying to catch LaCroix's attention and getting them to hire you. I'm always trying to catch LaCroix's attention. I drink enough of this stuff where like <laughs> if I haven't stroke a brand deal by now, I'm going to be in trouble by the end of the year. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I I, mean, I won't I won't try to, you know, beat around the bush. Like I made it with the intent of making enough noise to get someone's attention. Yep. You know, I think it was the idea of like, let me just put a bunch of nonsense out there that is me. And, you know, I'm waving my hands and I'm shouting really loudly and maybe someone will say, oh, hey, what's up? Um, so that intent was there from the start. I think how I went about going to get that attention was still remain like was still TBD, right? Right. Um, so like it was like, okay, well, you know, we talk about our the most refreshing brand on the world, LaCroix, on our podcast all the time. Um, and I thought, well, you know, I want to I want to. I want to, I want to get some, like, I want to shake my hands in the air and, you know, wave sure. them like I just don't care. Wow. That's lame. <laughs> um, so <laughs> let me, let me just, let me keep pack, like, you know, tagging them and pegging them and see what comes up on it. And, oh, I want to make some work now. And I think that this is, cause I think if you look at my post organically, I was like leaning into food stuff right at the time of the feed. So my feed is, I don't follow, I've, I've said this before. I don't follow a theme. I don't have a central color palette. It's literally a collection of brands that have trusted me with the camera to to speak for them. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, flame suit on, like, judge me all you want on that. Say how it's not effective strategy. But like, I just, I don't know. There are bigger things to worry about in the world. So um, at the time, I was posting a bunch of food work. I had done some work for um, a coffee company out of California. I had done something for a large beverage company um, here that's based in Atlanta. And then I was rounding it out with some like editorial style food stuff. And I was like, well, you know what? I I, I want to keep this food kick going, this food and drink beverage kick going. So like, let me focus on that, right? Like it's easy. It was easiest for me at the time to do that because it, A, it didn't require me to go out of my way to build any kind of sets. Mm -hmm. It didn't require me to book any talent. It was purely like, what can I get away with doing by myself? And I did this in my, in my home studio, AKA my basement. And, and so, I mean, like, I think I'm proud of the images. I think they look really great. And it was essentially what, you know, 10 bucks for a couple packs of, you know, uh, of seltzer water right. and then 
I don't know, 10 bucks down at the produce aisle. It's nothing. Um, yeah, and nothing. I mean, it's like the, the investment to make the work was very minimal. And then I just gave it my time. So I think between all of the pieces, the stills in the video, I maybe spent like a week or so doing all this stuff. Like, okay, let yeah. me think about what I want to do. Shoot the first one or go shopping, buy the stuff, bring it home, set up the shot, do this thing. Oh, I don't really like this hard light color thing. Um, it's okay. Let me re-engineer this. Let me try something else. I mean, like I think between the the first idea or concept with the hard light and all that to the the final shot that I ended up putting out there. I mean, that was like, I spent a good day in the studio. I spent like maybe like eight hours in the studio. Like I was just screwing around, trying to figure out what worked, what didn't work. How's this light moving? How do I shape this? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, oh, this is, looks good. Let me pull it into an edit really quick. Let me kind of do one up. No, I don't like that. Let me try something else. Let me adjust this. So it was it was a learning day. It was like a right. day at school, you know. Um, and all that to bring it back to your question. Yeah, I made it with the half and half, right? Like I right. need to learn how to do something new. And while I'm doing it, I might as well get some attention. So like, hey, what's up? Sure. Which is cool. And 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 you know, Instagram gives you the ability to very quickly let the company know that you're doing stuff with intent of catching their eye. You know, because spec work used to be like you'd shoot it, you'd probably print it on something and maybe mail it to the right person or email it to the right person and maybe they would look at it. And, you know, now it's just like you can just post it and be like, hey, it's over here. And they did. They they it's wrote here, to yeah. you. Somebody wrote to you or a bot wrote to you or we're not really something sure what it was. But me. something wrote to you and said like, hey, thanks. This is what we do. We steal everything on Instagram. So can we have this? You know, so so somebody's that's a whole other thing. Somebody's attention though was grabbed uh, for whatever reason, and and so that's kind of cool because, um, yeah, spec work of the past was kind of a, a giant pain in the ass. Well, and I mean, I think about it like now it's you know you have not necessarily I won't call it a direct connection to to those people, but you have a connection, which is I think is some type of connection which is better than it used to be. Right? It's easier mm-hmm. now than it ever has been to get a hold or catch someone's eye, um, yeah. and I think. You know, I mean, when it comes to like anyone out there that's wanting to make their own their own project, personal project or spec work or whatever it is, like c- circle the work around something that you enjoy or that you like, and that'll make it a little bit easier, right? So, like for me, like I mean, I do I do like the brand. I mean, I we drink enough of it here on the podcast to probably like you know line cans to the moon and back, um, and. For me, it was like, oh, I have this stuff on hand. I like this t- style of work. They don't have any of this now, so let me try to put my spin on it. And you know what? I spent the time in the trenches. Like, I did the reps. Like, I might as well just share it. Yeah. You know, I think that's the other part. Yeah, well, that's because sharing it, if you just do it for yourself, like, that's great. You're practicing and all, but like, you might as well share it. And I think it took me a long time to realize this. Um, there was a lot of people's uh, websites who I would look at and be like, wow, man, they're shooting some stuff and then all of a sudden like it became known to me probably through youtube and stuff once people started like really talking about their work that a lot of the work i had seen wasn't actually contracted stuff it was stuff that people just like shot on their own and i had this moment where i was like wait i could take a picture of an apple laptop and put it on my website even though i didn't shoot for apple like to me it was such a foreign concept to post work that i hadn't been paid for and then i was like you idiot that's of course you can do it. You can do whatever you want, you know, taking advantage of, of those 
times to go out and make work, whether you're being paid for it or not, is huge because it's what keeps you on the ball, I think. I, I, I think, you know, having having worked within the constraints of a creative brief many, many times, you know, you think when you're working for a brand and those th- that team of people come in, you have art directors, creative directors, the brand folks themselves, like the client, you know, with all that stuff, they all come in and, you know, these are folks that had that know that brand inside out backwards and forwards and they got to think about all of the things that that brand means to people and they'll, they'll encounter and so like they have to sometimes they have to play it relatively safe right yeah um and you know like you can't fault them for that right so but i think when you're doing spec work it gives you that freedom to say like i love you know i love bmws and i'm gonna do this with them i'm gonna shoot them in this type of locale or i'm gonna mm-hmm. try this type of shot or this type of art, whatever. And I think that that flexibility on a spec project, you know, it, it, it does a lot of great things. I think a, it's a good exercise for you. It's like the kind of creative calisthenics that we've talked about in the past. Mm-hmm. And then B, like if you put it out into the world and it gets attention and traction, like it can be something that changes the dialogue or the conversation around that brand. You'll have yeah. those people that kind of make those decisions at that level say, well, we've seen a lot of this and it's Three, two. We've seen a lot yeah. of this and it's been successful. And, you know, this is going to start shaping the way that we make our creative moving forward. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's something to that. I mean, I, I've seen it on other things too. Like, you know, there's a brand that I've worked for here in Atlanta for a really long time. And, um, you know, when I first started shooting for them, they had a very strict way of doing it. Like, you know, we were filling in the gaps of some larger creative from another agency. And like, you need to make the widget like this. This is how we've done in the past. You need to emulate this. Great. Perfect. And after we've, you know, for me, like when I started doing that, it's like, okay, this is like paint by numbers, all right? Or like you're tracing a little bit. And so you do the work and you you make the stuff and they're really pleased with it, et cetera, et cetera. And you get to the point where like, okay, now you start filling the filling the holes, doing the job as described. And then you have a little bit of time and like, okay, let me try something different. Here's something that I've been noodling with. Mm-hmm. And you do that. And like, oh, that's nice. We're not going to use it this time around, but that's nice. That's right. a good thought. And yeah, you've planted over the time, seed. you can start, yeah, you plant the seed and you can start developing a brand style. And I think like for that particular brand, like it came to the point where we, we made enough little, we noodled on enough things long enough to where that started shaping how the creative went in the future. So, yeah. you know, by the end of it, you know, now we've become part of what shapes that picture or that, that, that image, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, you know, I think now more than ever because of Instagram and social and the way that, you know, you can create and push things out into the world, um, that that is incredible, incredible ability and power that we all hold as 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 content creators and makers. Right. Because mm-hmm. um, like, I mean, you see like there are tons of really, really talented people out there that they're just doing their thing and they're crushing it. And and then they get a big deal. Like they get a, they get the attention of a big brand or a, someone that they want to work with. And it's like, Hey, we saw you do your thing. We want you to do it for us now. Yeah. And that's a big deal. That's huge. It's but huge. it comes out of, yeah, it comes out of those personal projects. It comes out of that, like make your art, make it good, make it yours. Yeah. And you know, good stuff will happen. We've talked about this a lot. I know I've talked about it in, in various platforms, but like if you're not practicing on a weekly or monthly basis or whatever it is. Like if you're not just doing stuff for yourself, you're doing a great disservice to yourself and to your clients because you're not staying at the top of your game then, you know, like, um, I mean, I do a shoot once a month with, uh, 
the the hair and makeup team and and we bring in a few models and we we just spend like eight hours just shooting and there is no goal there is no planning usually i mean aside from like wardrobe that we get um you know like we kind of just sit down and, and hash it out on the fly and you know if you set up a light and it's not working you just you shoot through it for a couple of minutes then you go like nope i'm gonna change it it's not you know i mean but it gives you the ability to do that without you know someone breathing down your neck and and nobody in the room is passing any sort of judgment and so you can just try you can just try shit out and see what works and then every once in a while it clicks you know i mean like a, a vast majority of my instagram is stuff that i have not been paid for it's just fun stuff that i've shot that i'm trying out that hopefully i'll use someday you know like hopefully somebody will, will yeah. throw me some bucks someday but you know the fact of the matter is that like i get paid a lot to shoot on white and so all right that's boring but like if i can make a bunch of money from shooting on white and then go produce a bunch of cool work that i want to do on my own two days later so be it as long as i'm still making the stuff so well and that's a good dovetail because like talk you know i think it's it's worth mentioning that you've had a string of really incredible personal projects this past year even um you know and i think like you've had the 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 beards port the beard portraits which were incredible they were in a gallery you had a huge showing and everything that was fun that was a good one um and that all came out of actually that's a funny one because those were all shot like two years ago um uh, when I was reviewing the uh, PDN magazine had, uh, we were doing a review on the, the original hundred megapixel phase one when it come out. And so we got on the phone with uh, uh, to do like a, a pre meeting with the, the phase one engineers and, and, and they were kind of, they were like, Hey, we're going to send you this camera, but we want to know what you're going to shoot with it. And I was totally caught off guard on the phone. Cause I don't plan any of that shit. I just kind of like, when PDN sends gear, I kind of, you know, work it into whatever I'm doing or I, you know, I'll make something at the last minute. But, um, phase was like, Hey, what are you going to shoot with it? And of course I was like, oh, I'm just going to make portraits because that's what I do. And, and they were like, cool. What kind of portraits are you going to do? And I was like, uh, I'm going to take <laughs> pictures of guys with really great beards. And they were like, Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Like everybody got excited on the phone call for a second and I hung up the phone. I was like, shit, I got to find some now beards. You're on the hook. Like <laughs> stat. Cause this camera is coming on Monday and I've only got two weeks with it. And so I ended up just like throwing some messages up on Facebook and a couple other places. And I was like, Hey, if anybody's got a cool beard, come, come be photographed. And, and then it, you know, it just kind of started working itself out. I actually, I did a bunch of test shots with my wife and it was not working, man. Like the first hour was just pure crap and you know i got through it i found something that worked and then i kind of got this concept of like you know everybody that has beards is usually shot with very serious stoic look at my amazing beard faces and i just wanted to do the exact opposite of that i wanted it to be bold and colorful and i wanted it to look like a bunch of kids on christmas morning like just super excited that they had facial hair and so um so yeah that's what we ended up doing i ended up having like eight or nine people come in we shot a bunch of portraits and i they they were used in the article in PDN and Phase uh, licensed them to use somewhere. I don't know if they ever did, but they they liked them, so they took them. Um, and then I kind of sat on them for like a year and a half until this gallery uh, in Mendham, New Jersey, reached out and they were like, "Hey, we want to do this this thing um, uh, for November um, for you know men's health awareness and all that." And so we'd like to show your portraits in the gallery and then we'd like to do this kind of fundraiser with you and have you do all those things. So really something I shot on a whim two years ago and then sat on my website, um, you know, because I did show it there 
uh, caught the attention of these two women and who were opening this new gallery and they decided to you know have me come in and do some stuff now was it a giant payoff no did i make a ton of money no absolutely not but it got my work out there and yeah a bunch of people showed up to the opening and we drank some beers and we hung out and i got to meet a bunch of people and i got to meet some other artists and it full circle was completely worth it you know for a million different reasons other than oh and i got paid to do this so i think there's a lot of benefit that comes out of personal projects um you know uh, sometimes it's just you get to meet someone that you normally wouldn't have met or that and who knows that might lead to something down the road so that's kind of how i look at it um and i've done a bunch of other projects i did a project called the bedroom project years ago and and it was you know it was super fun i basically put an open call on the internet to have people come and get free portraits taken and the only catch was that you had to be in my bed when you did it and so i ended up shooting like 130 people i think in three months yeah it was nonstop. um and they were big sessions they were hour-long sessions and it was like a thing and it became like an event every time we shot and people would come and hang out to see who was going to show up and who was going to it was a shit show but it was so much fun and it was you know um i ended up making a book out of it and those pictures still live on my website you know um and they've gained this they've they've garnered me attention in the same way that the beards thing did it was like cool look at this concept you did or you you had and then that you actually executed and then that you you know shared with the world and i think that's the most important part about it is that a personal project doesn't have to be like some three-year epic journey through istanbul it can literally be like hey i shot this guy in my backyard but i made this really cool series of portraits based on this concept that i had and it's the idea that you can show people that you can think and execute and that's that's saying a lot because a lot of people can think but not a lot of people can execute especially when they're not being forced or paid for it no you're I think you're absolutely you hit it right on the head because damn right I'm right. It's Ashton. Well, it's you know <laughs> as you always are, David Patino. Um, you're right though because I I think that they're you know you I think even I mean I've probably said this to myself like why won't someone pay me to do the work I want to do? And it's like well because they don't they just won't like the, you have to go yeah. make that. That's on you. Yeah. And you know um, I I think. It's almost the Steve Jobsian quote, like people don't know what they want until you show them. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, so I think that there's an element of that into it too. It's like, okay, well, if you want people to to buy this from you, they want you want people to pay you to make this style of thing for them. Like, you got to kind of put it out there. You have to like do it first and like, hey, proof of concept, it works. Yeah. Um, and then well, you know, good stuff can come from it. And then I think, I mean, to your point, like you said before, like the the. You didn't make a lot of money on these things, but the journey was like that was that was what was gained from it, right? You got to meet some incredible people. You got to shoot something you wanted to shoot, um, and you know there's a therapeutic part in doing that, right? Like you got to play by your own rules, call Huge. your own shots, do it how you wanted to do it. Yeah, nobody was there to say like, "Hey, it doesn't look right," or "You're not doing it right," or you know, that's just being able to do it your own way is. A lot especially when you do it somebody else's way nine to five <laughs> which is what we do a lot of mm-hmm. times so you know um but like going back like you know think about how you got into photography like you obviously picked up a camera and took a bunch of pictures before anybody ever paid you to do it right you just kind of yeah i mean you started off really young you were shooting your family on vacation and you know whatever and you know even me later on in life i didn't get a camera until i was 21 years old but like 
you know, I was taking pictures of my friends and I was walking around in the woods and taking pictures with, you know, by myself or whatever, and just shooting stuff for the sake of shooting stuff. And I was learning new stuff all the time. And then, yes, the second I started doing it as a job, it got a little bogged down and I spent two years just like kind of being bored. But then I remembered like, oh yeah, you can just take, pick, you know, you can just pick the camera up and go shoot for fun. You don't have to always do it for money just because that's what you do for a living like get back to it yeah. you know get back to just making stuff and and the more you do that the, the happier you'll be and so you know and then yes the one percent of the one percent get to just make their living that way they get to just go shoot and then somebody pays them on the side which is awesome but that's not for everybody we don't all get to do that <laughs> so in the meantime just find are, your own uh, way working types well yeah. I, I mean I, I don't know i think i, I think when you when you People are inherently like, I think people as a whole are like curious creatures, right? Like they want to learn things. They want to understand things. And so, and I think that that starts to get stifled when you have to play by the rules and follow a system and kind of things like that, which, you know, equate that to work, right? So like shooting things that you love on your own time and dime and all that kind of stuff, right? Like that and that's the natural creativity and curiosity kind of coming out and saying like hey let's do this i mean now it's like you shoot with the you shoot with that four by five camera right and like no one's paying you to shoot with that four by five you're literally paying like two bucks a picture to do that on your (laughs) on your time on your gigs and things like that and so like but those are the things that that naturally keep you in the game right yeah it's like it's it's your it's your investment in yourself to make sure that you don't burn out with the thing that actually pays the bills and keeps the lights on yeah and and i'm and i'm at the point with this four by five probably because it's new but also because i'm i can see myself doing it long term which is i I bring it to every shoot that i do and and at the end i try to work in a shot or two of whatever i'm doing you know or you know if i'm doing a portrait i'm just like hey let's 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 try this out just you know different camera whatever um and everybody gets really excited because it's big and bulky and weird looking and you know, my four by five is a, I have a speed graphic. So it was made in like 1947. <laughs> like it looks like a 1947 camera and it's, it makes people stop. Yeah. I got the hood and all, but like people stop and they, they know that like, I'm going to take one picture of them and that's it. Like we have this shot to make a picture or two and we need to all be really, you know, cognizant of what's happening here and everything slows down and that's what i think the most amazing part is that you see these people just like they change they're like okay i'm not gonna move like i know that i have to stand still and i have to you know like i can't be dicking around and whatever and, and i know that like i start going through the checklist of what it takes to shoot a four by five because it is not simple <laughs> it's you know there's at least 10 steps, steps. <laughs> yeah and if you don't follow it you're gonna screw it up really bad and uh you know maybe you get a happy accident but could just be a you know a big blank piece of film and like you said it's two bucks which is not i've spent worse money on less stuff but yeah it makes you think for a second like two bucks plus plus the chemicals i I gotta buy to develop it it, and do all that i was gonna say like it's the time it's a sweat equity like if i had to think about every time i you know press the shutter on on my my digital body now like if that was two bucks Mm -hmm. i would take a whole lot fewer pictures yeah and that's not a bad thing i get real (laughs) no it's not a bad thing i probably should start thinking about that um but like i get super selective super quickly you know like i think you know and that's i mean slowing down thinking through is never a bad thing um 
And I, I mean, I think, you know, because it's, because you're actually tied to a film negative, like a tangible, like you can hold it in your hand thing versus like digital. Right. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you're not getting paid for these things, like that kind of thing, like there is a, yeah. this is important. This is special. You need to invest the thought and the time into this. And it's, it's therapeutic in that sense. It's like people that paint landscapes, you know, like right. it's, it takes time. It takes patience. It takes, you know, thinking through it mm-hmm. and like, there's there is a there is an experience in that yeah um, but people so, also tend to i think you know, it's funny i've noticed this the, the the last couple shoots i've done where i've broke it out and shot it and when i've delivered like hey here's your you know here make your selections i just kind of feed the you know the one or two film shots in with the rest of the digital and on the last several sessions those shots have always been picked Right. So like, let's say we shot like, you know, 50 shots in the same location and two of them just happen to be film. They're picking those two. Not knowing that they're picking the film ones, which is kind of like it's messing with my head a little bit because <laughs> I'm like, why? Why am I shooting 100 pictures on my phase one when they're just picking this one film shot that I took? Like, what is it about this one film shot that makes them love it way more than the most advanced piece of technology that I own? So part of it's messing with my head a little bit, but I like that. I like the the fact that it's making me think about it and I'm trying to figure out like, okay, how can I get, like maybe, is it just that I'm clicking so much with my digital that people don't give a shit? Like maybe I should kind of be like, all right, we're going to make, you know, hey, we're going to make a picture today. It makes people slow down and think about just what the hell we're doing. I don't know. I don't want to be pretentious about it, but. (laughs) No, I mean, I get that because I almost feel like. It's the same feeling that when you walk on set with like a 5D whatever or whatever Canon body mm-hmm. versus when you walk on set with like a phase or a Hasselblad, right? Like I think there's a certain amount of respect that it demands just because it's unusual and it's not normal, right? So like when you when you bring out the 4x5, like, oh, wow, this is a huge endeavor. Like this is different, right? right? And I think I think that it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a shift in the, in the thought process, right? Yeah. Like, oh, that's, I don't see that every day. I can't go buy that at Best Buy or whatever. But here's what's funny. So, Ready? Cause I own a phase and I used to own a Hasselblad. Okay. It's been a year now or a year and a half since I went to medium format. One time, actually, sorry, twice in, in all the times I've gone out, has somebody stopped and said, whoa, what's that? Or like, whoa, that's a big camera. Most people don't give a shit because they know it's digital, right? By the way, the two people who like made comment, one of them was a tech and the other was uh, a client who was just like, man, that's a really big camera, <laughs> right? But they were still like, oh, cool. It's tethered into the computer. The pictures pop up. Like nobody gives right, right, a right, shit. Right. But when you pull out a four by five and you unbox that, people are like, what the hell? I mean, you got bellows and knobs and you know what I mean? Like. It's tough because like, you know, we talk about like, it's, it's almost like you have to kind of ride the line really closely because we talk about how the gear doesn't matter and it shouldn't, it doesn't. And I, I can, I can agree with a sentiment like where I've never had a client ask me what I'm going to shoot on before project starts. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so like, there's that, you know, so the, the camera doesn't matter most of like 98% of the time I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll leave art Striebler to do his thing with the phase like that's he's the two percent right, right um but then like to your point though like when you bust out that that four by five I don't, it's it's I'm, i don't know i i almost equate it to like when you hire a handyman versus when you hire like the best contractor in the phone book right 
Right. It's like, oh, he's got tools just like me. That's cool. He's got like craftsman stuff. And yeah. I, I've got one of those hammers. That's cool. And then you like you hire like a pro guy that builds houses. And he's like, yeah, I have all of this. And you're like, well, I've never seen one of those before. Right. <laughs> That's different. So I don't know. I, uh, it's it's like the tool, like the tools are the same, but like they're amplified to a certain extent, right? So yeah. like when you bust out the four by five and there's bellows and like I go, oh crap, like we're about to make some art here, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I took your picture with it. Yeah, I know, and I love it. It's incredible. You, like, but you stopped look, and you look awesome in it. You stopped and stood still and paid attention, and I wasn't trying to like poke <laughs> at it. I wasn't like trying to like fiddle with yeah. it. But like, yeah, it's an, it's an incredible piece of equipment, and like, I don't. Know, I think the output is what I was like when you send a scan over. I was like, wow, this is it's just different. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just I for people in the know, it's different. And I mean, even for people out of the know, it's it's different. Yeah. And I think that's what. I think that's what gets people to stop in their tracks. It like demands that attention mm-hmm. where it's like, this is not the normal. This is not run of the mill. Like you've been on a hundred sets before, yeah. but you have, you, you've seen, you haven't seen one of these before. And I think that's, that's cool. Um, so maybe, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, I can't really put my finger on exactly what it is, but it's, it's, it's yeah. one of those situations. If, so when I bought, uh, when I bought this four by five, I just kind of bought it for the hell of it. It was a good price. It was, you know, and I just wanted to try something out and, at, the more I take it out of the bag in front of people, the the more I'm showed that the reaction is like people like want to have their picture taken, which normally I'm sure you know this, like you pull a camera out and people are like, don't take my picture. I don't want my picture taken. I hate the way I look. Right. Yeah. But nobody has rejected me with the four by five yet. In fact, most people ask, can I have my picture taken? And so that got me into a mindset of like, well, hold on now. If people want to have their picture taken, this opens up a whole new realm of possibilities to go out and shoot with this thing because I can literally walk into a park, set it up on a tripod, point it in some direction, and somebody will come over and start talking to me. And there's my portrait for the day. So now I'm like kicking around like, what can I do with this? Like what, what kind of project can I make with this? And who can I photograph with it? And what, what kind of collection can I come up with? So, you know, by mistake... I bought myself into what will probably be my next project, <laughs> long-term project. You got to you got to make it work now. That's it. it. Almost reminds me, like you know, um, you've heard of Luis Mendez, right? The what? He's the Luis Mendez. He's the yes. I hope I'm saying his name right. Um, he's that. He's so for those that don't know, he's the guy. If you've ever been to B and H, uh, the B and H Superstore up in New York in Manhattan, mm-hmm. um, there is a gentleman that he almost every day. I feel like it's every day. He sits on the corner of this, like on the street corner, at, right outside the store, and he's got um, it's a four by five. It's a you know he's it's got a four, a four by five. He's shooting Polaroid on it. He's shooting Polaroid four by fives, and he like he's been there for ye- he goes out there. Oh, I'm just gonna say every day for for I don't know how long years, yeah. and he's got this incredible book that he keep, keeps with him, and you can see all the folks he's taken portraits of over the years. Um, a lot of famous people. And like that's that's his thing. He just like he goes there and he makes portraits of just people walking by, people yeah. going into the camera store. So it's almost like if you're a photographer, it's almost like a rite of passage of going to B and H. Like you have to see the trolley, you have to right. like you know walk <laughs> up and down and see all the stuff. Like wow, this is where all the crap I order comes from. And then you gotta have you have to have your honest like ten minute conversation with Lewis and like you know have your photo made with him or by him, not with him, but by him. And, you know, and then shoot the breeze. Like, he's just like, it's like one of those things where it's a conversation piece, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, I, I think I he mean, still I'll, only charges like 20 bucks. It's not a lot of money. Yeah, it's like, not bad. It's not don't bad. Don't get me wrong, it's 20 bucks, but like, yeah, but like you're, 
I don't know. It's just one of those things. Like, and I've never done it. At it's funny. I've seen in, the guy a million times. All the things in Manhattan <laughs> that you could buy twenty bucks from him. Is Seriously. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna pil- we're gonna have a pilgrimage up that way and do it again. There we'll we go. Just, like all line up and yeah. So, <laughs> um, personal projects. If you don't have one, you should make one. They Get take one. they take time. They're they're work, but they're the best kind of work um, because they're a, a direct expression of what you want to make and what you want to put out in the world and. Think of them as an investment in you. It's like it's therapy, right? So if you don't have one, start one. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be fancy. Um, Like literally, you know, start shooting Coke bottles in your your living room. It's fine. It's no one's going to judge you for it. It's a learning experience. Right. Um, Because I think the people that stay, people that stay in this business the longest, and I say like this, meaning like creative locations Mm -hmm. in general, whether it be, you know, I don't care who you are or what you do, but to stay in this and to to keep a love and honest love for it, you got to find those opportunities to continue to learn because if you don't, you'll get stale and you'll hate it and you'll quit. Yeah. So keep learning, keep pushing, be curious, all that good stuff. They're incredible projects. You should do them. All right. I'm off my soapbox. That's um, it. Great um, question. Have, that was a good question. Have, that was a good question. We have a couple of questions. We have time for like uh, two questions. Okay. Let's, let's go through. Um, I think you have the next one. I do. Here we go. Uh, this question comes from former guest Dan Ryan. <laughs> What's up, Dan? Uh, Dan wants to know what is one under fifty dollar purchase that every photo slash video person should buy. Go five and one reflector. Done. Get the big one though. Splurge. Spend the full fifty, the full forty nine ninety nine <laughs> on Amazon. Two day shipping for the big oval shaped one. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, get yourself, if you are, I mean, if you do this and you are getting started or you want to spend 50 bucks on yourself, get a five in one reflector. It is the, I think it's like the Swiss army knife of photographer tools. Totally. Um, because you get, you get a bounce card, you get a black card, you get a silver, uh, you get silver bounce, a gold bounce, a white bounce, a a black card, a shoot through Mm -hmm. and like come on guys like that's that's the most incredible you get five things it's 10 bucks a thing that's incredible um and it folds down you can keep it in a in a bag you can tote it around with you and i will tell you i the that is the most most used tool that i've i have in my my stuff like i use a five in one more than i use my strobes um i use a five in one more than i use uh, i don't know my like my fancy fast glass mm-hmm. um like it works for everything. Because I mean, it, it really does. And I'll tell you, the two that I use the most often are the white, the white bounce, mm-hmm. and the shoot through. Yeah, like the shoot through is pro- probably by far my most favorite, most used thing. Yeah, because like you, you if you're shooting, if you shoot outside, you definitely need one because um, you want to take down a harsh sun. Literally throw it up over someone's head. Yeah, boom, you have like a huge freaking soft light, depending on how big your five in one is. But like. Yeah, you just got yourself a big octa. Yeah. You're welcome. Keep it in your you bag know? all the time. Absolutely. I keep one in the trunk of my car. That's smart. Because you never know. Like, and I've even used one to like, I've like been working with someone and it like it rains. It's like, okay, throw it up over your head. You're good. Yeah. You know, like it's a big umbrella too. So I don't know. I, I like I like five and ones. I think that those are incredible value. Um, yeah, buy one. See, there you go. I would say, um, I like the five in one idea, but I can't use it. So I'll say this, go buy a cleaning kit, go buy a cleaning kit that cleans lenses and sensors and everything because dirt 
kills photographs. It looks like shit. It diminishes the quality of the lenses and the sensors and all that stuff. And so keep your stuff nice and clean and tidy. And usually you can probably get two cleaning kits for 50 bucks. So there you go. Yes, I agree. I, I'm also the guy that probably I'm throwing out here how how uh, two bit my operation is over here. I've never I had never cleaned a camera sensor up until until you came what, to the tannery weeks, a month yeah until I came to the tannery <laughs> and David Bettino and I technically I didn't even clean it myself I made David Bettino that's true for me so um, <laughs> he actually had his sen- he had his cleaning kit Amazoned to my house to, so that yeah. I could clean his sensor for him <laughs> and I was like hey I've never done this before I'm afraid I'm gonna blow this up and you you clean your you know your hundred megapixel fifty thousand dollar sensor on the reg you want to just do mine for me and you're like okay <laughs> and, and there was like a there was an actual like snicker when he like opened up like he pulled the lens off and goes oh that's it that's a- <laughs> it's like it's like it's a, like it's a thumbnail <laughs> anyway um yeah cleaning kit cleaning kit in five and one get to it they're both amazon primable you can have them to your mailbox in like literally two days at the most one day at, at the fastest or even same day in some cases see um yeah go now do it consumerism is awesome hooray <laughs> buy more um all right <laughs> uh next question um let's see what apps will help me edit iphone pictures and what's an easy cheat for insta worthy grams this is a rabbit hole because like there are a million iphone iphone and smartphone apps for cameras um i'm just gonna go off and say that like i have a handful i've spent i've spent a a tidy sum on camera apps Mm. just like when i've been bored and I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't use any of the fancy like manual control ones. Like they have them. Like oh, you can change the shutter and the focus yeah. and all this stuff. I've bought some and I've literally never used them. I end up using the the regular camera the most. Yeah. Like the one that's accessible from your lock screen, because um, it's the fastest. But then as far as editing apps, um, I'm a big fan of uh, what do you call it? Visco VSCO. Mm-hmm. Um, like just that. because like they have really they have really great raw control. You can buy super fancy schmancy filters um you know if you're into that sort of thing and um you have a lot of control they have like a really cool raw capture which allows you to get like more flexibility out of your tiny smaller than one inch sensor um yeah that app has really taken taken on some some new stuff because i mean originally it was just like here put a filter on your picture and yeah but now it's like a whole well, a it, whole thing yeah, and it's well. It's funny to me because like I remember when they were they were they used to sell Lightroom presets. Yeah. Um, and now they don't even sell those. They don't make oh, no Lightroom kidding. presets anymore. They only do the app. That's it. They only have the iPhone slash Android app. That's I their whole business now. Yeah, and like I think it's like twenty bucks a year. You can like be part. Like you can buy a membership for twenty bucks a year, and it gives you all of the filters. Um, I'm not cool. that guy. I have like I I bought some early in the day, and that's what I use. I use like the same three over and over and over again yeah. if I ever use my phone. Um, so Visco, that's a good one. Um, that's a good one. I guess I know Lightroom. Lightroom, Lightroom is really yeah. good for. Yeah, if you have an iPad and like if you have a Lightroom workflow, um, Lightroom for iPad is freaking fantastic. Um, I use it literally more than I use my desktop Lightroom because it is so much faster, and like easier and you can do it from a seated position on the sofa <laughs> most those are, my, those are my votes <laughs> yeah right lazy lazy wins i don't use lightroom but i've seen enough commercials for it that i know that it it's cool it's cool on mobile um i wished i used it but i just it doesn't fit with my workflow so um 
capture yeah, I mean, one get on it i feel like they might get there eventually um we'll see i don't know i like to just i kind of like to just take pictures and tweak the normal settings i'm not really big on uh filters and overlays and all that shit probably because i got my start in like mid 2000s weddings which was that's when you used all the textures and the overlays and the you know whatever um now i just like to make nice clean pictures and so i end up just like you know brightness and contrast and maybe a little bit of clarity here and there and that's about as far as it goes <laughs> it, this goes back to a conversation we had a, a while back ago about like how you know filters and stuff like that are kind of like they are like the catch-all of we'll make your stuff good but yeah what's going to happen in 10 years when that stuff's no longer in style you know yeah. um and it, something else will happen i don't know i it, to kind of round it back to like what makes gram worthy pictures i would say creative filtering is like i don't know if you have a style if you're one of those people that subscribe to like a, a color aesthetic on your feed or whatever for aesthetic purposes then sure absolutely um then those are really really helpful but otherwise what really makes great grams the like worthy ones i mean and this is coming from a guy that has like zero followers so <laughs> take it for what it's worth um it's 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 just great composition. It's the regular rules. It's great composition, great exposure, and something interesting. You know, learn how, like, good framing. Um, I feel like those are the things that I like. I like things that are really well aligned, that have good exposure, that show something interesting. Um, yeah. So, you know, the same rules of what make a great picture or an interesting picture or what make an interesting gram because it's grams. Totally. Pictures, so. Totally. That, that raw kind of just, you know... Um, you can polish it up as much as you want with plugins or whatever, but you know, that frame as itself, whether it be black and white or color or whatever should just stand up based on, you know, composition and, uh, yeah, everything you said, I'm just going to repeat what you said. Yeah. What Ashton I'm said. On, I'm on it today. <laughs> <Hooray>. <laughs> uh, last question. Uh, last David? question. I've got, uh, this one comes from, uh, listener, Sean Tobin. I can't even say listener. He's a buddy of mine. Um, and he does listen. Though. What's up, Sean? He told me. Um, uh, real quick, actually, I'm going to plug Sean because uh, on July 26th, Friday, last week, uh, Sean's album came out uh, called Dreams in Black Caffeine. It's available everywhere and it's really good. And I played drums on it. So go go download it. Yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah. Super fun. But so Sean, who's in this like, uh, he just literally quit his day job and he's doing music full time now. Um, wrote and said that he's having trouble appreciating his own aesthetic all the time. And he's just curious if that's normal artistry or just some sort of new self-consciousness. And so we were chatting about this like really briefly before, but the, the idea that when you stop your day job and you start doing your hobby as a full-time gig, you start to really focus in and pay a lot of attention to it and you can start talking yourselves out of a lot of shit and so you have trouble kind of like he's saying like maybe appreciating what he's doing or you start to second guess everything because you don't have any other time you know your boss is never yelling at you to take your mind off of the music that you're writing or the pictures that you're making and so you just you're stuck in that <laughs> you're stuck there looking at your own life over and over again and so um it's both sean it's 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 yep. totally normal and it's going to get so much worse what I would suggest is go back one episode 17 and listen to Kyle Stapleton who talks about culture and creativity and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. He's got a really great thought process on that. Um, yeah. He's one of the people that I, his opinion I value very highly because of how he sees and views the world. Um, 
And it's very much to what David said. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And just remember that like that's part of the journey. I mean, like that's how you kind of find it um, is you kind of have to, you have to kind of struggle with the valleys before you get to the peaks. Um, And, you know, sometimes you, it, sometimes you're just looking at it for too long. Yeah. You know, I think I remember talking to a creative when I was on the agency and he was working on some motion graphics and he had this incredible piece that he was doing in After Effects. I was like, wow, that's incredible. That's amazing. And I mean, there was a little self-defeatist. He's like, I don't know. I don't like it. I need to fix some things. And I don't know. I might not use it at all. It's like, hold the phone. Right. You spent time doing this thing and it's incredible. You know, like you should put it out there because no one will look at your stuff as harshly as you will. Right. You're going to be your worst critic all the time. Absolutely. We are our own worst enemies. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, it's tough to grapple with it. That's why we're here. We're here for that kind of stuff. We're, you know, you have allies in that. So, not yeah. alone, bud. Um, it's kind of a normal thing, and just push through. And remember, uh, you you got into this whole thing. I'll, I'll steal Kyle's line. You got into this whole thing um, to have more to have better day, more better days than worse. Right. So, there you go. Boom. I like wisdom. It. Nice. Drop um, it. Okay. Well, look at that. Um, let's see. Uh, y- you want to do a quick camera thing? Yeah. What do you got? Uh, Sony A7R4 just released or just announced. Mm-hmm. 63 megapixels of fun, fun Sony goodness. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Um, I, yeah. What do you Well, so when I saw the announcement, I thought this. I thought that could be my new backup camera. And then the more I look at it, the more I think like, that's a lot of money to spend. But um, I like it. It's, you know, it's Sony. Sony does really nice stuff. And they finally put out a, a larger megapixel, which uh, I'm a size guy. I like bigger bigger sensors and bigger megapixels and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, the fact that it does whatever, you know, continuous IAF at a million frames a second and blah, 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 blah. Great. I, I'm not a big fan of those kind of features. Um I like the way the Sony pictures look, though, and I like the way their sensors act. And yeah, I'm kind of curious to see some more uh, shots off it. I've only seen some like really kind of generic uh, test shots from a few people. So um, I don't know. I think they're headed in the right direction. All the mega pickles and yeah. two card slots. And two so, card slots. There you yeah. go. Sony. Sony it's folks, total buy win. it. There you go. They will be glad to take your 37, 6, 30, 3,000 plus dollars. So yeah, line up accordingly. Yeah, put it in an envelope. Send it right to Sony. (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to do episode 18 of of Office Hours. We appreciate you guys listening and hanging out with us. Um, The Office Hours podcast is produced by my buddy David Bettino at the Tannery Studio in Stanhope, New Jersey, with the assistance of me and occasionally Katie Lantuck of Murphy Marketing. Um, we, uh, We thank you for listening. And if you like this episode... Drop us a comment, drop us a like, subscribe along, yada, 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 and uh, send it to a friend um, or help us grow the network of cool folks. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace.